0: So, my
1: nerdcast, I'm Andy Hughes. I'm here with Alex Hudson. Hello, everybody. It's me, Alex Hudson. I'm from, I've gone from singing to serious. I have had a request. Sad. For, no, I've had a request for how to start one of the episodes, but mm-hmm. so that we're more upbeat. So I think we might save that for Sundays for, for when you're really in the zone. Yeah, yeah.
0: You can have off days. <laughs> Everyone has off days, you do more than most. All right. I don't know what I meant by that. No, neither I, do I. I felt I, I, thought, I thought that take came across as being really mean. No, you, you, <laughs> that was yeah. that was bad. Yeah, it I'm was. sorry. No, that's fine. I didn't mean it to sound like that. I don't expect any bad review. I like you really. Okay, you're an ad- adequate person. Okay, let's get on with it then, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> We've wasted enough time. <laughs> um, good cough. Sorry, thank, thank you, thank you. It's my throat clearing prepare podcast preparation cost. I can't speak. Um, welcome to the <laughs> Welcome to our Wednesday episode where we do news and reviews. Do a bit of news. Do a bit of reviews. That's what we're going to do.
1: Start with news. Did you say you got some news. News pig. Do we not want to tell them what reviews we've got coming up?
0: oh uh, yeah. We've got um, the accountant and nocturnal animals. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: two fairly big releases of uh, recent weeks. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the news pig has been snuffling for truffles and has found <laughs> a couple of diamonds.
0: What What you got in your little piggy sausages? Your little news news. <laughs> <It's laughs> <you. laughs> What are you doing? news fork!
1: <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you guys that this is Andy's final ever Dinosaur Man nerdcast <laughs> because I would have killed him. Oh! Okay, so. I don't want that. What you got? Okay, so. First of all, Alien Covenant. Yeah? Are you aware of Alien Covenant? The new alien film. The new alien film has released its teaser poster. Does it look like an alien? It is the sort of silhouette of an alien's head coming through, and it says, run underneath, or on top.
0: I could have pitched that. But you didn't. But I could, like, that's not a very exciting poster, is it? It's a fucking great poster. It's basically the poster for almost every Alien film.
1: So why mess with it? (laughs) If it works for Alien, then it's going to work for this, right? If it works for Aliens 3 and 4, then it's going to work for this, yeah? Uh, excuse me, what? (laughs) We don't mention them.
0: They never happened. Not in my world.
1: Not in my world. Just mate. like
0: basically, before you had said what the poster was, I could have guessed what it is. Like, no, I yeah. don't... it's a it's an effective marketing campaign. It's not exciting though, is it? it I'm excited. <laughs> really? Yeah, it looks good, man. Who's directing this one? Ridley Scott, isn't it? Is it Ridley Scott again? I believe so. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? It's the one that was Paradise Lost or whatever and yeah. is now not Paradise Lost.
1: See? She's an alien.
0: It's just an alien head. Yeah. Okay, cool.
1: What's, What's wrong with that, you joyless idiot? <laughs> Where's the explosions and Captain America's shield and shit? I'm not going to take you to see that because I'm going to be so angry with you. Still, from today until May 19th. Anyway, not that's its, US, that's it's US release, do you? I don't know about us. I say not far, away, but May is literally tomorrow. <laughs> not far, we're just round the corner. Six months. Uh, yeah, so that's come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Landis is in trouble.
0: Oh yeah, you you started telling me about this and I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. tell me more on the
1: podcast. You I'll tell you what, mate, I'm delighted about this. So Max Landis has basically attacked a rival, which, uh, if you listened to our review last week, we really loved. Oh, a ri- I thought you meant a
0: rival. And I was like, who's a rival of Max Landis? Surely most people don't give him the I damn I am the rival.
1: He's attacked you. <laughs> he finally responded to my tweet that said, have a word with yourself, mate, <laughs> and responded with, Why? <laughs> And I said because you're an idiot and I hate you.
0: Okay, so he's attacked the film Arrival. Yeah, he okay. says
1: that the um, the female character arc in it is one of the weakest he's ever seen in a film. He says that the film is basically Close Encounters and um, oh god, what does he it?
0: use the term uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Because if not, he's really missed
1: a trick. <laughs> you know, he said it's it's like Close Encounters and uh, another film, and I can't remember what it is. But basically, if you take all the fun oh, bits out... Oh, is it um, Contact? No. It's another film. <laughs> no, it's not that, because I know why you're thinking that, but that's why he's put Close Encounters in there. Yeah, It's Close Encounters and something else, with all the fun bits taken out, which I take against, because it's a fun enough film. Really There, there are laughs it. in it as well. Anyway, what I don't like about Max Landis is the following things. His hair, his face, his opinions, his stupid face, <laughs> his stupid opinions... The fact that he's a thing. So when you say he's got in trouble, what's actually happened? Well, basically, uh, Vanity Fair have run a piece saying, oh, he's criticised yet another female-led character, female, you know, because he attacked oh, Ray that's... from yeah. uh, Force Awakens. And basically, he's saying that they've portrayed him to be a misogynist, and hey, you take from it what you go into it with, I suppose. So if he's gone into reading that article with the idea that maybe he's a misogynist, then maybe he's a misogynist. That's all i Do I'm you saying. believe that? I'm not going to disagree with it, because he is my rival. <laughs> How else am I going to get my screenplays made if he's not there to sort of battle against? <laughs> uh, so my greatest Hollywood rival, Max Landis, and it does pain me to say that he's a Hollywood rival, <laughs> uh, but he's also going to write the Pikachu movie, is that right? No, he's no, not. No, he's
0: not. He's... Good. <sighs> Who cares what he's doing?
1: Uh, Dirk Gently, that's what he's yeah. been doing recently. Which anyway. has been commissioned for season two. I hope that it fails, and I hope that he never recovers. <laughs> Have you got any news this week news? Uh I've got a couple. Hound is better than pig.
0: <laughs> you've been to the news slaughterhouse. What are you saying?
1: And you've been to the news kennel right?
0: Yeah like hospitality is second to none there. Um <laughs> Are you drunk and or high? Lin Manuel Miranda. Okay, tell me more. You know you know him? Very possibly. The guy who wrote Hamilton,
1: okay, the musical, yeah, okay.
0: Also wrote, um, I believe, Beauty and the Beast soundtrack, um, like the songs for that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a, he's a really prominent figure at the moment because obviously Hamilton's done so well. He said he wants to be in a Marvel movie,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but he's not said he wants to be in any. He wants a specific character. Okay. Now, have you seen Manuel Miranda? Yeah, I know what he. Yeah, yeah you know. who do you think he wants to play? It's a character. He said he would only go there
1: if he plays this. Uh, when they reboot X Men, it's going to be Wolverine. No. Nope. Okay. It'll be Professor X. No. Nope. I'll tell you now. You've written a script for this character. Carnage. He wants to play Carnage. Pretty good. He doesn't look like Carnage, though, does he? Yeah. Well, don't need to look like Carnage in order to be in the best film never made. <laughs> but Did you'd... he say that he'd want to be in my? He specifically said,
0: "I want to be in a carnage film where you never
1: really see carnage," which is the best kind of carnage film. Because, <laughs> he says, "Let's be honest, guys. Carnage is more than the costume. It's about the man behind the costume." He says he wants
0: to be in a film that doesn't really link with the rest of the
1: MCU because the MCU is bullshit and it doesn't need linking to. They've got enough things.
0: Well, I'm still waiting for Jake Jinhall to get back to me about my Moon Knight pitch. Uh, I'm still waiting. For, <laughs> He's still got to get through it first. It's Kevin about... Allen to
1: reply about my Craven the Hunter pitch. Um, other bit of news... Which is odd, because he's got literally no other emails.
0: <laughs> other bit of news... Yeah. Um, they've released a poster for the film Goon 2. Have you seen this? Oh, Goon was good. But did you know Sean William Scott was still making movies? Yeah, yeah, he, he does very,
1: very small budgets. This was and a stuff. surprise
0: to me. Goon's a really good film. Is it? Yeah. Is it? <laughs> yeah. I didn't watch it, because... I just assumed it'd be Stifler sticking his penis in things. No, 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 things. it's much better than you'd think. I imagined he was going to just put his penis
1: in the ice or something. No, no, no. Because well, that's all surely what he's got does. One well, of you, ignore the first half of the film. Then no, he doesn't do that. No, it's a really good film. Really well made. Really, really? It's charming in a sort of quirky way. It, you would... Maybe you wouldn't like it. It's not got enough explosions and die hard in it. Why do we do this why, podcast? Why I think, I, think enough, I hate you.
0: Why is there not enough Die Hard in anything? Uh,
1: okay, like so they're making the film 2. Die Hard. yeah Yeah, tell yeah. me more.
0: Oh no, it just surprised me that okay. Sean William Scott still has a career. He's he's doing a little bit Like here, I right? thought he had literally just given up. I think he's a talented I guy. thought he'd gone down the Brendan Fraser route of just disappearing off the face of this mm, earth.
1: Brendan Fraser is very much a thing still. Is he? Mm, bedtime stories, was that him or was he in car? <laughs> I can't remember. It was one about reading a book to a child. Inkheart. It was Inkheart. I think so. It, so it wasn't bedtime. that was Adam. Bedtime Sandler. Sandler,
0: Adam Sandler, yeah. okay. It had this gerbil with giant eyes for some reason. I've seen that film. Okay, well, you've I've wa- not
1: seen. You've wasted so much more of your life than I have of mine.
0: <laughs> There's so many films that I've not seen, and I've watched bedtime stories.
1: And I've seen all of the leprechauns. So, like, right. why do people listen to us? Anyway, let's get on with the review, shall we? <laughs> because, because after that admission, people want to know what we think. I think we're just going to cut news this week. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, no, no review of Fantastic Beasts and where are they at this week? That's
1: next Wednesday. Uh, but it's then we watched two pretty new releases, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, the account came out, I think, two or three weeks two weeks ago. Uh, as did uh, Nocturnal Animals. I think The book came out a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Um, one seems to be lasting longer in the cinema. By like a day. Well of course it is. Because well and has got more screenings because it's a, okay. it's it's more budgeted and sort of pitched towards that environment. Which one do you want to start with? Uh let's start with the accountant. Okay, so what happens in the accountant? What is the accountant? Okay, so the accountant is Ben Affleck essentially. Uh Ben Affleck plays an accountant who uh is a high functioning autistic who was also sort of involved in doing the accounts and all the bookkeeping for pretty much the most dangerous people on the planet. So you've got mob bosses, you've got crime syndicates from Japan and places like that. You've got war, you know, warmongers, you've got arms dealers, Phillips Schofield. Schofield, you know, all the most diabolical people on the planet, <laughs> And essentially, the there's an FBI chief, uh, not an FBI chief, sorry, a, a U.S. Treasury chief who yeah. is trying to track down who this guy is. They've got played photos by J.K. Of him, Simmons. Played by J.K. Simmons. Um, and concurrently to that, you've also got a storyline where the accountant himself is brought into a company to do some actual legitimate bookkeeping and try and work out where some money's gone. I get the
0: idea to kind of throw off the scent of just
1: let's do a clean
0: job so you know it looks like you are actually yeah, doing yeah. accounting. Yeah,
1: and um, that's pretty much it. So those are the yeah. two concurrent stories that are running, and then it's about the cat and mouse chase between the uh, treasury and the accountant, and also the accountant and this money that's gone missing, and him trying to f- figure out who's at the bottom <laughs> of it all. So Andy, yeah, tell me what you think. Well, I think
0: we came out of this slightly different in opinion. I'd say only ever so slightly. I think we agree
1: in the fundamentals. Yeah.
0: um, I think this film's much more within my wheelhouse. You know, I'm a fan of action movies and this film while it has an incredible performance by Ben Affleck at the Mm centrepiece it follows a lot of the tropes of a standard action movie.
1: Roll up, roll up, all the cliches are here Mm -hmm. folks.
0: Pretty much every cliche you you can think of, Mm -hmm. it's, it's there. Um, I think there's definitely some people
1: throwing their performances in as well. J.K. Simmons puts in probably the most blasé attitude towards any performance I've seen this year. Like It just feels like one of those ones where he goes, I can knock this out in my yeah. sleep, and it really looks like he's sleeping through it, because it's not a commanding performance. Yeah. It's very much a sort of, by the book, sort of, okay, so I'm playing the guy who's tracking down the other guy, fine. And I'm one day away from retirement as well. Okay, fine. And... There's
0: definitely a moment where he's on the phone and he's basically ch- trying to get a man about some kind of accounts or something. And all I wanted to do was go get me pictures of Spider Man.
1: Um, but he plays he's he sort of plays the mentor to a younger agent yeah. who he's basically training up to take his place. And it all feels a little bit sort of been there, done that, plodding. Yeah, the the thing is
0: with the action parts, there's nothing really new there.
1: Oh no! Not um, at all. You know, is a
0: lot of it's been played out before, um, but what where this film does excel because there, there is a point where this film is actually really strong, which is in the character of uh, the accountant, the Ben Affleck role. Um, not only does it give you a really good insight into where he's where he's come from, um, it shows you flashbacks of his childhood and how he gets to what he's doing today. Yeah, um, it also has a great central performance where it's not it doesn't do that thing where it's overplayed. No, Um, you know it's not the fact that you know because he's autistic he's having attacks all the time Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't do that thing where it completely forgets about the autism there's this
1: really nice middle ground yeah it's subtle underplaying and it's sort of it's dealing with it in an accurate and sensitive way because i think the the temptation when you're when you're portraying autism can be to go either over the top or forget completely about it yeah just sort of sideline it and this this you know treads that line pretty well i think and that's what it has going for it. That's what sort of elevates it from just being a solid sort of being there, done that, mm-hmm. sort of by the numbers action film. Because that's when you take away that idea, that's basically what you have. Yeah. And the thing is, I think there are some really nice action set
0: pieces in here. Um, there's a couple of ones that really worked for me that I really, that I really enjoyed. Um, but I don't think I would have enjoyed this film as much without that,
1: like you said. Oh, no way. Yeah, this this is a sort of middle of the road film. And then you have one element of it that goes okay, well, there you are. That's yeah. what this film is really here to dis- display. Um, John Lithgow phones it in. Well, John Lithgow doesn't phone it in. He just looks like he's having way too much fun with the, <laughs> the part. Like You'll get what I mean. when if, if you watch it and you get to the final scene that he's in, hmm. his performance, he is chewing the scenery like he's been starved of food for three <laughs> weeks. He's really going at it and playing this part so sort of cliched and yeah. just you know there's a couple of moments in that film where I'm just watching it and going this is stupid and you know it does feel bloated because it's two and a bit hours long yeah. and it just feels like there's way too much chaff in there I'll
0: tell you one thing I did like was Anna Kendrick's in this and she plays like another bookkeeper yeah and what I was really happy with is they didn't, and I suppose it's kind of a spoiler in the fact that she didn't become a love interest, yeah. To extent like she, basically, well, she, she's, not about, a, she's
1: not she's not the person who who gets like the heart of heart of cold stone guy yeah. and goes, I'm gonna open him up and make him. Well, love that's everyone. what I was really worried and,
0: about when they brought Anna Kendrick's character in. Um, there was definitely a point where I thought she's gonna become the girl who who cures his autism yeah. through love, and I was like, please don't do this. And they don't. And it, it like I said, it's. It's one of those films that it treats its subject matter with respect. Yeah, yeah. Um, and while it does have this, Biden in the action film attached to it, I think it's worth watching for the performance that Ben Affleck puts in because I do think it's an incredible performance by yeah, him. Absolutely. Um, he he does it so well that you know you've got to respect the performance he's put in. And you know sometimes you can have a film that maybe isn't the best film of the year, but you can go. That's I can recognise. That's a good performance, right. and I think that sells this film more well, than he's, games. he's
1: recently listed it as one of his top five of his performances. Yeah, and you can see why because it is easily after Jiggly, Reindeer Games, Daredevil. Phantoms, Daredevil. and Daredevil. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could try and recite them, but I'm pretty sure it's his Goodwill Hunting, Chasing yeah. Amy, uh, Argo, and Batman versus Superman. <laughs> We'll leave him there then. We'll um, leave him there. Yeah. So um, it's it's worth a watch in the sense that that performance is worthwhile. Mm. But for the rest of it, I just found myself just going, "This is so. This is so done." I think sometimes the action scenes did seem fairly derivative
0: of, say, like John Wick.
1: Yeah, um, which is a, which is a superior action yeah.
0: film. Yeah. And but the thing is, like I said, I, it falls into my wheelhouse of going, I like. That kind of action, so yeah, sure. I'm going to enjoy it on some level anyway, mm. um, which helps. But yeah, I'd say definitely check it out. Definitely check it out. It's not, I don't think it's going to blow
1: anyone away. No, I would be surprised. I think but, it's, it's got enough about it to make you enjoy the two hours yeah. you spent with it. It will, I don't know, I, I feel like it's too long. And...
0: Can I also point out very quickly that we did sit in the worst audience in the cinema they I have were ever pricks. been in? Yeah. Like, somebody entered the cinema an hour into the movie, sat and ate your sandwiches, and left 40 minutes later. Yeah, yeah. It, it was weird. <laughs> Two separate people had phone calls. Yeah. One couple may have been having sex at the
1: back. And there was a guy in a tent. <laughs> there was a guy who
0: me. sounded like everyone in a tent halfway through. <laughs> like, people, if you go to the cinema, please have respect for the other people, yeah. because yeah. otherwise, I hate you. <laughs>
1: um. So, yeah, I mean, check it out. It's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right, let's do Nocturnal Animals. Nocturnal. I'm
0: going to have to ask you to explain this, because I've tried to explain it to a
1: couple of people today okay. what Nocturnal Animals is actually about, and I've really struggled to kind of do a concise... Okay, so essentially Nocturnal Animals boils down to being a sort of revenge film, um, in the sense that uh, you've got Amy Adams, who's playing this... Um, is she a gallery owner or creative director? Something like yeah. that of a gallery. It's never really made explicitly clear what her job role is, but that I sort of understand why it isn't, because it's that sort of world where no one actually has a title that means anything but they're all very very important Um, but she's a very high powered person in the art world and uh, her ex-husband is Jake Gyllenhaal who was an aspiring author when she met him and married him or when she knew him and Mm. then she divorced him after doing something terrible to him and hasn't seen him for nineteen years, I think it is. Some and then, amount of time. Out of the blue, she gets a delivery, and it's a manuscript of his newest book, and he says, in fact, his first book, I believe. Mm. And and it says, you know, it's called Nocturnal Animals, which is what her his nickname for her was <laughs> when they were going out. She then starts reading it, and then the action on the page plays out on screen for you as a narrative within the narrative. Yeah. So first of all, you've got the over you've got the overarching thing of Amy Adams has got an ex-husband, she's an art director, her mother warned her against this husband hmm. and she didn't listen. And the mother, Laura Linney, puts in a really, really good performance as uh, the mother. For very limited
0: screen time as well, two, three minutes. There's a lot of cases of this though in this film. There's a lot of people who just appear for
1: like two minutes, and And then then you never never see them them again. again. Yeah, but Laura Linney, I think, puts in one of the best performances of the film. I think she's really commanding as that sort of matriarch Mm -hmm. who's warning her that you know everyone turns into your mother. You know, we all turn into our mothers eventually. And she's like, "Well, I don't believe that." And then, sure enough. We see her a couple of years down the line into their relationship, and she's doing exactly that. Um, So you've got that, and then her reading it and sort of getting creeped out by it, and also intrigued by by it as well. Mm. And then within the narrative, you've basically got her visualization of these characters, Uh and so Jake Gyllenhaal plays the father, Isla Fisher plays the mother in a sort of thing playing on the idea that.
0: They basically
1: look like the same person. The kids. joke of Isla Fisher and Amy Adams are basically the same person because they look so similar. Yeah, uh, and then the mother, the daughter, is played by I can't remember her name. I think she's a relatively newcomer. Um, anyway, they get run over, run off the road by a sort of gang of ne'er do wells. <laughs> <laughs> no, no other podcast has used that term this week. What, Ne'er do wells, <laughs> yeah. um, led by Aaron Taylor Johnson, mm-hmm. putting in a performance. That is feral, feral and sort of ferocious and almost unrecognizable for some people. Well,
0: me and Bant both had the same thing where we watched it and for the first two minutes of watching him on screen, we didn't realize who it was. Mm. Um, I think he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I f- with this film, I said to you. I was definitely more interested in the narrative within the fictional the narrative. narrative. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought that was engrossing and captivating. I think it helps that it's got f- a, a fantastic performance by. Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson but also I find um, Michael Shannon who's a yeah, prominent yeah. part of that um, I find him extremely watchable yeah. like I think he's incredibly talented and he only does again in this film where I'm just like I want to just watch more of you, just put you on screen for two hours and I'll yeah, just yeah, watch you yeah. reading the bible or something I don't know why the bible, I meant the phone book <laughs> um, <laughs> The bible's got stuff in it and Jake, Jake Jinhall, I once again is an actor that I really enjoy watching mm. Um so you know that narrative obviously is elevated by those three, but also I find it a much more interesting story.
1: Sure, yeah, but that's the idea. I think is that the sort of the stuff that's going on in the real world is supposed to be less interesting than what's going on in the fictional narrative because that is what drives your film along essentially. Because it's yeah. about her realizing what she's done to yeah Jake Gyllenhaal and why he's written the book in the way he has and why certain things happen in the book the way they do. I don't want to give any spoilers away. So, mm. I think this film—it's
0: really weird because when I watched it, there's a lot to really enjoy. Um, Tom, is it Tom Ford. Yeah, the director, um, the writer and director. Yeah, he's obviously crafted a really beautiful piece. Like it's filmed incredibly well. All the performances are pretty much uh, fantastic. The the score is one of the most beautiful scores I've heard. This yeah, year. like there's there's a theme in it that that motif that keeps happening. And it's hauntingly beautiful, and it just elevates every scene. Mm. Um, and it, I want to just listen to that piece of music again and again and again. Yeah, um, but there's something missing. There's something missing in this film, and I don't. It's I'm really struggling to pin down what this it is. Is, it, is
1: that when I watched it and ever since you know I've seen it about a week ago now, so mm. I've I've got to the point now where I'm like, okay, I think i I'm far enough away from it to work it out. And I think every every single thing about this film seems perfect. It's really well put together, really well acted, really well directed, really well written. You know, Tom Ford's an exceptional director and I think is it's incredible that this being his only his second film yeah. and A Single Man being his first, which is also really, really good, he's able to put in something like this. and. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think it's that sense of detachment. It feels non-human. Yeah. And I think that's the issue that I have with it, is that everything sort of works. And everything does work brilliantly well together. However, there's a sort of disconnect that happens between me and the film. It doesn't have a human heart. It doesn't have the warmth of anything. It's very cold, very clinical, very sterile. And maybe that's a reflection of the world that she works in. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a clever little thing there. But... I feel that ultimately that's its flaw as a film is that it can't engage me in the way that certain other films, like, you know, take, for example, I, Daniel Blake, that speaks to me on a human level. This doesn't speak to me on a human level, but I can appreciate everything that's going on in it so it's it's great yeah it's really, and that thing really is, is good. It's, it's really weird because it, it is a fantastic film Like it's
0: really well put together Like if you had a checklist of things you need to make a good film mm. this checks pretty, pretty much every single one
1: but it misses that
0: vital and one there's, and there's one which is just a question mark which is which is basically the te- box that needs ticking to make it a great film mm. and that's the one that's not ticked but it's a question mark because I don't know what it is that it's missing mm. if that makes any sense yeah like it's really weird, because I can tell you exactly what's right about this film, and I implore people to watch it because it's it is really, really well put together. It's really really a great watch, but there is that thing, and if you can tell me exactly what it is and make me go, "Oh shit, yeah, that's it, mm-hmm. like you know the one thing you're right it it just doesn't feel
1: real mm.
0: and it's it's really strange it's re- it's it's one of the weirdest experiences I've had as as a film goer because It is that thing of going, I know why I love this film. I know I really enjoy this film. But I don't know why I don't. I don't know why it won't make my top film of the year. But there's a reason there, but I can't quite grasp. Also, it has the weirdest opening sequence of any film I've ever seen. That
1: sort of two or three minutes at the start is very (laughs) jarring. It blew my mind. I was like, what the hell am I watching here? And I think maybe that's a deliberate choice by the filmmaker to sort of disconnect you immediately maybe that's it maybe yeah. they're trying to shock you into something so that you do feel removed from it but I'm not sure it fully works that, no. is, that is the one part of the film where I think maybe might be a misstep but you can kind of get work. past
0: that point because the rest is yeah, once you you know, get two into minutes the film, of a, of an hour and a, two hours mm. maybe um, but yeah like I said I, I'd implore people to watch it because it's, it is fantastically made mm. you know if, you, if you're studying film watch a film because that's how a film should be put together
1: yeah um you know it's beautifully you know beautifully shot and everything you know tom ford does a great job of the landscape of the place it's all west mm -hmm. texas and again that's what makes it such a good companion piece for hell or high water yeah because both of those are west texas and feature great big panoramas of the west texan landscape and you think this is a beautifully shot Mm -hmm. thing it then also has that thing of going, is it style over substance? But in this case, I think it's style working in conjunction with substance to sort of make the film work even more. Yeah. So, you know, definitely go out and see both, mm. I think, this week.
0: I think, yeah, yeah, yeah I'd
1: both. I'd recommend this over The Accountant, personally. I think it's a better made film. Yeah. And I think it stands out because every single person in it puts in a really stunning performance, I think.
0: Mm. And like I said, it just rekindled my admiration for Michael Shannon. Because he he's an actor that I really enjoy watching. I just don't feel I see enough of him. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. why I'm, I've not seen Midnight Special yet this year, but it's why I'm really excited to go back to that mm. and watch it uh, before the end of the year because it's a film where he is the lead and I'm...
1: Yeah. You're excited to see yeah. that. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it then, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, so what else have we got to do? Nothing. Just wrap it up. Yeah. So thank you, Alan. Uh Alan, I called you. Alan. Alan, thank you, Andy. It's <laughs> all right. Um, I've been Alex. Uh, what else do we need to do? find um, us on
0: Facebook at Dinosaur Man Nerdcast on Twitter at Dinosaur Man Fifteen One. Um, Buzzsprout, Buzz Stitcher, Stitcher, and iTunes. iTunes. Give us a rating, subscribe, put a comment, tell, tell your friends, tell your friends. Yeah, go find your nearest friend right now and go. Hey, you right, mate. Um, listen to this. Listen to this. Um, this news is a bit weird, but after that and they talk about films yeah there's news that I might cut out entirely <laughs> um, other than that Johnny Neves did the theme song uh, yeah, thank you to him um, and that's about it until next time don't
1: go and see worse films than these that's terrible well don't <laughs> don't fine don't write a book and send it to your ex-wife <laughs> <laughs>